receive manifest. Welcome to the Flying Sage podcast. This is Michael Oliver. In today's episode, I will be speaking with Janelle Dion. Janelle is a passionate creative who founded Wakeful Travel, the ceremony companion company working with seekers, retreat centers, psychedelic clinics, and mindful product brands to provide tools that aid in transformation and self-exploration. Her journals help to reflect your own wisdom back to you, integrate profound experiences, and put a plan in place for lasting change. She is also head of creative partnerships and community at Third Wave, and when she's not working in the psychedelic space, she's snowboarding in her backyard in British Columbia or adding to her houseplant obsession. I consider Janelle a friend and someone who really leads with her heart. I first met her in person at the first Flying Sage expansion seminar last year. I hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, Janelle Dion. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Jenny. Super excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. I'm doing well. I just got back from a little uh, island adventure uh, yesterday. And so, yeah, I'm feeling refreshed. Amazing. We'll jump into some questions. So the first question I had for you is what got you into the psychedelic space? What got me into the psychedelic space was I was living in Nelson in British Columbia and kind of felt a bit lost, but knew I needed to move there for some reason. Um, I had a pretty profound LSD experience when I was camping in the Rocky Mountains and had a lot of lifestyle kind of changes after that and decided to move to this ski town without knowing anyone and never even being there before. And um, about six or seven months into living there, I just randomly applied for a job with Retreat Guru, which is a global marketplace, um, and they also sell software to retreat centers all around the world. And I honestly had no idea what I was getting myself into with this organization. I, I, I saw the marketplace. I didn't even know that they primarily sold software. Um, applied for a support position. They ended up hiring me on um, to manage their content and social media channels. Um, but then with that, I was part of an amazing team and they really invested in their staff and the company culture. And um, we, I quickly learned that <laughs> all about plant medicine and I, I had heard about ayahuasca and and working with mushrooms in an intentional way and things, but I had no idea there was like a quote unquote industry around it as much as um, I first kind of had thought. And so uh, with that, yeah, I was, I was handling mark, uh, partnerships as well and um, reaching out and every day just talking to these amazing organizations, you know, working with ayahuasca and then hearing all of the transformative stories and then also like, like my coworkers were all talking about it. And so I had also started thinking about it and ended up going to a media trade um, to Rhythmia. And uh, yeah, that kind of like led me along my personal journey with psychedelics. But it was like, at the same time, it was cool that my first kind of job in the psychedelic space um, 
was so powerful and transformative in that way. And so I was doing a lot of personal work while learning everything I could about marketing um, in the space. So that was my kind of intro to that. Wow, that sounds so full on. I didn't realize the extent to which you were involved with Rashikir. That sounds amazing, like really cool opportunity, but also probably like pretty intimidating in some ways when you first started. Like how was that process for you when you when you first joined? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I definitely had, you know, moments of discouragement because so many people came, you know, either from maybe a corporate background or they were, you know, practicing meditation in the Shambhala tradition for mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years, you know, and like these people were just very much so, you know, I guess more on the path in terms of their skill set and, and their personal growth as well. So I just saw it as an opportunity and, you know, tried to be as vulnerable and authentic as I could and just say like, hey, I don't know everything, but I'm here to learn. Um, and that served me really well. And I'm, I'm so grateful that they believed in, in me and, uh, and I could sit in ceremony with mm-hmm. you know, the co-founders and stakeholders of the company. It was just a very unique experience. Yeah, totally. And what about now? Do you know what they're up to? Are they still mostly selling software? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, after COVID, um that that definitely hit them pretty hard right with all the retreat centers closing and people not traveling um so they had to let go i think 13 people of the company uh, and now they've they've rehired a bunch and i think things are going really really well they've totally their website looks incredible like it's just it's so cool to see um the ux improvements and the brand um, really thriving now. So I'm, I'm super happy for them. Amazing. And so as I might've mentioned in your intro, you've started your own business called Wakeful Travel. And so I'm curious, like maybe you could share a bit about the transition between working from working with Rachit Guru to Wakeful Travel, but um, yeah, maybe actually why don't you start there? And then I have a question for you about Wakeful Travel. Sure. Yeah. So um Wakeful Travel uh, started as a mindful travel journal. And so while I was working at Retreat Guru, I (laughs) went to the co-working space and I would go there a couple hours before work, work on the journal, and then I would work eight hours and from there, eat my dinner there and then work again and try to get into the mountains in between that or walk some dogs or whatever. And so that was kind of my like life for about a year or maybe, you know, maybe a little less, but I was pretty stoked on creating this travel journal because I had this idea for a really long time, just because travel had been so transformative in my life. Um, I went to Southeast Asia when I was 21 and traveled to five different countries wow. there. Um, you know, I got to travel with Retreat Guru and visit 20 different retreat centers in Costa Rica and talk about our partnership program. And it was just, you know, such a such a unique experience in that sense. And so I've um, been to Australia and Fiji and like all the all of those, too. And I was like, I wish I had something to document those experiences because I can't totally besides like the pictures, I don't have that great of memory. And I wanted to have a tool that I could document, you know, the people I met, the places that I went to, and um, 
you know, what, what points of those journeys really had an impact on, on my life. And from there, I was ready to, I had retreat guru. Actually, we took, um, we all went to Peru together. Oh, that sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we went as a team. I think there were uh, 14 or 16 of us and we lived in the sacred valley together working and living in community um the co-founder's wife is peruvian so we had this beautiful guest house overlooking the mountains and sitting we sat in full moon ceremonies together uh, just a awesome time and then we, well, we did end up getting food poisoning and that was like a whole other company ceremony in, ex- in itself no. <laughs> Like all of us, like every day there was a oh or like a doctor coming in and it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but after that, I, I had traveled to Guatemala and was working remotely there, went to a yoga retreat. And then I ended up going to Envision Music Festival in Costa Rica in February of 2020. And I, you know, got home, was super stoked to be back with the team. And then two weeks later, COVID hit and... I was also about to, I just got a loan from Futurepreneur and I was about to launch the travel journal in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) And so that is kind of like, it was already called Wakeful Travel. That was the name of the business. And I really took a step inward. Um, Yeah, I, I, I was super sad to have lost that that job because it was like also my family I felt like I was losing in a way and um from there I pivoted and I was like well I can still create tools that support people in their transformation and I love the psychedelic space so much like what can I create right now that can support people when they really need it when they are struggling with their mental health when they really need healing and they need community And so that's when I pivoted and created the Wakeful Integration Journal. Um, And later I created um, the Microdosing Journal, which is the six-week intention journal. Wow. That's an incredible time to have to switch businesses and like pivot like that. That's amazing that you had the, I guess, clarity and reflective ability to, to, to turn inwards and see what sort of thing you could produce and offer the world. So that's amazing. And I think we might have even connected on this too, but we were probably both in, we were both at the same vessel together. So I wonder if we ever crossed paths at Envision. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I was there in 2022. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would have, we probably did at some point. We probably point. did at some point. Success. I was just curious to ask you, like, what, uh, just going back a couple of steps, where did you go in Guatemala? Yeah. So I was living in Antigua um, yeah, for think yeah a month and a bit and then I was traveling to like Atitlan stayed there did a retreat in San Marcos um and uh I didn't get to the coast or up north to the ruins but I'd love to go back cool amazing so yeah so thanks for sharing about the pivot that's really inspiring that you're able to to do that and so how did that turn out like what was that process like making that big pivot and I guess that was also around the same time that you, you, you kind of, would you say that was when you fully um, went into your own entrepreneur journey? Um, because you were working with Rachit Guru before that, right? But this, I guess, was the first time that you were like fully working for yourself. Is that true? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I was still creating and I actually took a few months off because I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you don't get um, that many chances in life to not work. So maybe just take a step back because you've been working really hard the last few years. And so I did that. Um, and I took on after that, after I took a break, I did end up freelancing a bit and taking on some other marketing contracts for adventure wellness companies, um, you know, from uh, Kootenai Lake Tourism to uh, Coffee Shop in the Cusp to Silo Health, which are also an integration um, plat platform in the psychedelic space. And then I, um, Paul Austin reached out to me on LinkedIn. And so I started working for Third Wave. And so I've still been with Third Wave for the last, uh, I think it's been over a year and a half now. Um, but I recently dropped down to part-time. And so, yeah, really tuning into to how to build, you know, this brand in the most aligned, authentic way I can. You juggle a lot of things. <laughs> it's amazing i was curious so you shared a little bit there about your experience with psychedelic entrepreneurship and i appreciate you getting more into some of those details there um i'm curious what is it like being a woman working in the psychedelic corporate space mm -hmm. yeah good question and also you juggle a lot of things too <laughs> <laughs> we both juggle lots <laughs> yeah. um yeah, working as a woman in the psychedelic space, you know, for me, it's been kind of incredible to be so supported. I, I have so many amazing women that work in the space, whether it's, you know, um, they're market microdosing coaches, or they're actually facilitating the medicine, or they're also working in marketing. Um, and I feel super supported. And like, we have such a strong community um and i mean yes it comes up that there isn't as much inclusivity as we'd like but you know we're we're supporting the conversations to change that narrative and change that kind of paradigm and so um i think that yeah it's it's all about finding community and supporting other women in the space with their work as well um, so that's how it's been for me yeah Okay. So you, have you found that it's been a barrier at all? Like as you've got moved through the psychedelic space, you've worked both as an entrepreneur, but you've also have worked in like more of the corporate side of psychedelics. Um, mm. Have you found that it's been uh, a benefit or a, a barrier or neither? Just do you, do you feel like it's a neutral factor? Yeah, I don't find it super hindering. I feel like um, our voices don't always get heard as much, but I think that it's been um, it's it's been actually kind of an opportunity for me, you know, with with <laughs> being invited on podcasts and um, being a, a female in this space. There, you know, the, we've all listened to a lot of content from males talking about the default mode network. Yeah. I thought you were going to say DMT for a second. <laughs> or DMT or <laughs> all of these, like, um, yeah, like, the, you know, Joe Rogan and, yeah. you know, the ayahuasca space. So I think it's refreshing. And I think that brands are starting to realize, like, hey, we need to be a bit more inclusive. We can't just have 
a bunch of white men on <laughs> every single podcast. And so I've had a lot of opportunity in that sense, but that's not to say that, you know, that's a good thing. I think that um, it should just be built into the culture. And I think it's right too with a lot of organizations they're they're starting to build community and you know build their partnerships from an, a more inclusive space um and then you know you're already setting a foundation for how you want to be presented in the psychedelic space and as you know like when we're in the space we want to come from a place of love and inclusivity and welcoming and if we just continue to stay in the 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 space that we know then we're not going to to end up seeing you know that much diversity and that's super important yeah totally no i'm glad you spoke to that yeah one of the big kind of intentions for me kind of asking that was because you know i feel like the psychedelic medicine space is a space that you would think and kind of expect people to be more progressive in and people to be more aware of some of these things because of the nature of the medicines that we're working with and the nature of the types of experiences that they're purported to elicit for us. And so, yeah, I just was really curious to, to hear like from you, like what that really looks like. And it sounds like out of maybe hopeful, I don't know, maybe you're lucky and like previous spaces that you've worked in have been similar, but I, I can imagine it sounds like at least that at least from your experience, the the space has been fairly like welcoming to that. Um, and of course there's ways that it can improve and be better. It sounds like, but in general, like it's been, it's been an opportunity and it's, it's been a space that you've been able to kind of, I don't know, would you say flourish in, or at least like been able to grow in and like learn in and, and be able to contribute. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, just having a, a foot in, in, the, in the door with, with working in the space for so long now um, and the partnerships and the network that I've kind of created, I think that um, has something to do with it. Like I can see if, you know, somebody was wanting to work in the space and they're brand new and they're looking at it from an outsider's point of view right. and being like, okay, well, <laughs> let's look at all of these com- companies. And a lot of them are, you know, they're the clinical ones and they're, yeah, funded by, you know, yeah, <laughs> men. And um, then that kind of has, you know, there sometimes the fallback is to start hiring men. And so when you're a woman looking from the outside in and seeing, you know, all of these male heavy um, teams, it might be a little bit, um, yeah, just it, it might be intimidating for sure. I can see, I can see that, but um, there's, there, I think that everything is shifting and it's, it, it's really exciting to see. Okay. Well, that's beautiful to hear that you feel like there is a shift happening. I hear that a lot. And so I think that's part of what I want to do with a lot of these conversations is to dig a bit deeper into that shift and mm. see what that seems like or what that like reality is for different people. Cause I think the shift, you know, I've, I've heard terms like paradigm shift or, you know, this, a new world or age that we're kind of entering into. Um, and I just feel like it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but it, I'm sure it means different things to so many different people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're already doing it. So kudos for you. Episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jenny. So the next question that I have for you is what is next for you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I, want to also like say that I I feel like I'm still fairly fresh on my entrepreneurial journey. Like I don't really 
consider myself a total entrepreneur yet. Um, I'm very, um, I'm aspiring for sure. But I would say, um, so I recently launched uh, all three of the journals on Kickstarter and raised over $15,000 Canadian. And with that came a ton of messages from psychedelic retreat centers, clinics, mushroom brands, conferences, therapists, you name it. And they would ask me and send me messages saying like, hey, you know, can we put our logo on this? Um, are you into white labeling? Can you create something like this for us? And I took a step back and was like, absolutely. Like, because ultimately we are all searching for healing, even when we don't, even if we don't actually know it yet, you know, those that are uh, in pain or, or kind of trying to find answers. And if I can partner with, or other organizations who are doing great work and supporting people on their path, then I want to walk hand in hand with them. Like I want to share these tools of transformation with so many people, but I can't do it by myself. So partnering with these organizations will help to spread these accessible tools further. And so now I have this yeah, new branch of my business where I'm creating tools. I have the journal, sorry, I have three different packages. So one is like a co-branded um, package where my branding stays on it and their branding is intertwined in it and it's pretty much taking my journal and we're both a part of it and then they can offer that to their audience and then the second option is to white label so my branding's totally removed and then they get you know a few custom templates designed specific to maybe their integration protocols or um, their preparation prompts or things like that, different art or, and quotes we can replace. Um, and then the third is a totally custom journal. And so that includes 12 or more custom, uh, custom templates. And that's really just a, a, a pretty personalized journal specific to that brand. There's a lot more design work involved. And um, yeah, and then you know, we, we can create together and we can, again, offer these tools out to their, their clients or different audiences. Um, and ultimately, what I'd love to do, and I'm, I'm going actually down to a center in Mexico this week um, to, to work with 5FEO. Um, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm going down there to not only do a retreat, but also uh, brainstorm on how we can co-create a journal specifically for that medicine. And so ultimately, I'd love to see Wakeful Travel and like Wakeful, Wakeful Journals as a sub-brand that I'm doing with this whole white label thing. But um, I'd love to see different organizations working with different organizations to um look into how we can offer a journal specific to maybe a condition and what medicine they're using so for example if there's an organization that uh, works with struggling veterans with ptsd and they're working with ayahuasca so that they can heal that and return to their wholeness through that then um, what would it look like if I partner with that organization and come up with this kind of uh, 
protocol or structure specific, very, very specific to the needs of that person struggling with, you know, that kind of traumatic background and then have it be like, okay, we are going to put that organization's name on it. They'll definitely get credit. And um, then what if another organization comes in the, into the space and they're looking for a similar tool and they want to help similar people? It's like, then we can go into, hey, like we created this specifically for the people that you would like to serve. And so here you go, like let's partner together. And so it's really just like, tuning into those niches and the people that are uh, the different types of people that are needing these medicines and these integration tools and then co-creating something together, but then not seeing other, um, you know, other organizations in the space as competition really being like, hey, let's work together. We have something really incredible that would, you know, support people in their journey with you. Mm, that all sounds amazing. I'm super excited for that to happen. I'm sure you're going to manifest that. Um, I had two questions kind of following up from that. One is more to do with your business process. Uh, and then the other is more of a question around what the process would be or the experience would be for one of your customers. Because I'm I'm not sure, like maybe some people listening to this will know what an integration journal is. Hopefully people listening know what integration is in general. But um, the first question I just want to ask you, you mentioned you had three different offerings when you're doing your custom journals and when you do the full custom journal um, I was curious like what does that process look like for, for you like as someone who's like managing and taking that from idea stage to like creation what are some yeah. of the things that are involved because you mentioned there's a design process but um, like do you do the designs do you have friends that do the designs and then like yeah just do you mind sharing a little bit about a bit about the behind the scenes process yeah totally so um, first, we kind of would, I usually get messages on LinkedIn or, or someone reaches out via email. And so I want to make sure that I'm definitely aligned with them. So that's a kind of a whole process that I do internally and um, hop on a call and see if we're, you know, the right fit. And then I'll send over a slide deck with more information on, you know, what this would look like, the approximate amount it would be per journal, per order, because if somebody is a smaller brand and they're only wanting 300 journals, that's going to change the, the cost um, to print the journal, uh, you know, versus if they were going to order a thousand, for example. So there's, yeah, a bit more information in there. And it also shows exactly how many templates they would get in their, um, in their package and what um, like additional design work would like if they needed it, what that would cost. Right. Um, so yeah, if they're, you know, still interested in that, then we hop on another call and we talk um, some more logistics. They also, after that call, I send them an intake form and that goes into deeper with like the vision of their company, company like why they want to create this journal. Um, you know, uh, there are questions around if they want to replace the quotes, replace the art, if they want to keep different templates so it's that's like very granular and specific um but yeah I have a whole process mapped out it's hard to uh, hard to go through it all yeah no that's okay yeah, yeah and then just a brief summary is perfect yeah yeah so yeah from there they would send a deposit and then we just kind of continue working together cool. I have, I have a designer that I work with I have a couple artists that I work with so if they actually wanted like 
new art, we could do that. Um, and, and from there, yeah, it's just a review process. And, um, and then it's, I, I, I organize all the manufacturing. So the client doesn't really like what they have to do is they need to create the templates that they want in the journal. So they just need to provide the copy for that. And we provide all the designing of it and make it all beautiful. Um, and yeah, I hold the communication with the manufacturer, making sure the files are like all organized and print ready. And yeah, then from there, they, the, they go into the manufacturing process and the journals are shipped to them. So they don't have to worry about, you know, figure having a project manager for one, this whole project. Um, and uh, they don't have to worry about the specs and figuring out the file sizes and color and all of yeah. that stuff. I totally handle. So yeah, I have a, I have a small team right now, but hoping that I can bring someone on further to hold more of it. For people that maybe haven't had an integration journal before, mm -hmm. um, would you be able to share a little bit about like what some of the benefits are of like having an integration journal or even just like if you could share a few things that people might find in your integration journal, like one of your average ones that like maybe, I don't know if you have some exercises or just like things that might, um, that might come up and the different tools that you kind of put into the journals to help people integrate. Would you be able to share a little more about what's inside the journals? Yeah, for sure. So maybe I'll start with the wakeful um, integration journal. So that one's, okay. for, that one's for macrodosing journal or sorry, macrodosing experiences. And that means that they're having, you know, a, a larger experience uh, with more medicine. And um, the beginning pages, um, they kind of, you know, there's there's a welcome message and a, a commitment to respect. So I have like a little blank that people can write their name in there that says like, you know, they commit to respecting all the medicines that they work with. Um, there's a there's a land acknowledgement. And, and um, just acknowledging, yeah, the people that have used these medicines before us. And then when you dive in, it, it's, it's broken into four different journeys. And so a first journey would be for a longer journey, like maybe if you were going on a retreat somewhere and traveling a further distance. And so it actually pulls in uh, templates from the Mindful Travel Journal. So there's like travel packing list and maybe like a reservation page um, and that, yeah, so from, from there, there are uh, pages to discover your intention, so reflective questions to work through so that you can, um, yeah, maybe prompt yourself a little bit further and tune into the themes that come up when you answer those questions so that you are like very clear on what you would like your intention to be for your experience. Um, then we go into some grounding pages and um, then there's navigation or there's actually packing lists as well for the journey. So um, yeah, like what to bring to an experience. Cause I wish I would have had that. Yeah, when totally. I, yeah. When I first started sitting in ceremony, there were so many times where I was like, Oh, I wish I would have brought this. <laughs> so um, yeah. And then we go into navigating the experience. And so there is space to, um, journal about your experience while you're on the medicine some people don't write I personally write a lot when I'm in ceremony um, and then afterward you can draw your experience so there's pages for that um, and then it goes into an integration section it's quite lengthy there's like an integration checklist um, so different 
things you can do to um, support that period. So really taking the insights and the downloads and the lessons that somebody that you learned in ceremony and then um, writing out, you know, the action steps uh, to what you're going to do to make those changes um, in your daily life. So very um, pretty like hands-on in, in the sense of you're writing out everything that came up, but then you're also reflecting on it and then being like, okay, like what can, what are the next action steps to actually make lasting change in my life? Um, and then, yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot in the journal, uh, yeah. but throughout it, there's beautiful color therapy art as well that all relate to the sustainability of plant medicine, which I really love. And, um, yeah, and then a resource section in the back. So if you, like something comes up uh, and you want to write down like a podcast or a book when you're like on this kind of uh, discovery phase or no matter where you are in your path, there's always resources that come up. Um, yeah. And then one of my favorite templates I would say in there would be, uh, is uh, it's called um, New Souls. And so if okay. you meet someone that you want to uh, connect with after ceremony, I, the worst thing to do is like pulling, like pulling out your phone with a blue light. It just seems like so, oh, yeah. like foreign in the, like in the in that space in the ceremony yeah. container. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, there's just a space for you to write down, like, yeah, new friends, contact information, and and uh, that's also, such a good idea. Yeah, and music too, because, um, yeah, like I, the music in ceremony is just so incredible. And so having a space to, you know, maybe after you can ask the facilitator, like, hey, what was the song that the lyrics went like this? And then you can write it down right, right. away. So you have that. And so it's a it's a tool to document all of those logistical pieces, but also reflect your wisdom back to you. So you can go back and be like, oh, OK, I remember what I was meant to do or like it, it just acts as a reminder to continue doing the work instead of just going to ceremony and you know, maybe not acting on it or maybe forgetting what happened or maybe um, not really making those, those changes that you definitely committed to right after ceremony. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I think that definitely gives even gives me a, a really more in-depth view or understanding of like the actual, some of the tangible things that you would kind of get with it, one of your journals. So that's really exciting to hear. And yeah, those are some really great ideas. I think people would find some of that super useful, especially in the ceremony. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with from the days and weeks leading after. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, and and then for the microdosing journal, it's a little bit like, uh, it's it's more of a a tracker and and then a prompt. There's a lot, a lot more like just quick prompts and journaling exercises and and reflective questions there. So that goes along a six week protocol. And okay. just, um, you can document like your medicine if it's a dose day and you do like a little check-in in the AM and then in the PM. And so um, there's a daily download for both of those. And yeah, similar thing, just uh, working on different alignment practices and prompts to bring you closer to your intention and your goals. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to zoom out now a little bit um, outside of wakeful travel and the journals and kind of shift focus to 
some of your thoughts, I guess, on the psychedelic space at large. Mm. And my first question that I had for you was, what are your biggest concerns around the development of the psychedelic space right now? Yeah, such a good question. Um, I mean, we touched on inclusivity for sure. That yeah. That is a concern, especially when it comes to listening to indigenous voices um, because they have been the, the medicine wisdom keepers, um, you know, primarily for so, so, so long. And I think it's a shame that, you know, we're not seeing more of those voices and, and those people at different psychedelic conferences and on podcasts and things. So I'd, I'd love to, that's, that's definitely, I'd love to see more of that. And that's definitely a, a concern for me. Um, the next is a sustainability um, piece where, you know, everyone can't, <laughs> everyone can't work with peyote or ayahuasca or iboga because the sustainability of these medicines, you know, they're, some of them are slower growing. Um, and so there are uh, medicines that we can work with that are actually better for the environment and for the people that are using them traditionally. Um, so I think education around the sustainability piece, I mean, Tim Ferriss put out an awesome blog post on that. I think it was called like an urgent plea for users of psychedelic medicine or something like that, where he talks about each individual one and which are the best to use. So I would definitely recommend that as a, like a resource. Um, so the sustainability piece, and um, it's like important to note that yes, decriminalizing nature is important, but also there are a lot of um, indigenous cultures that are not for that because, you know, they're using these medicines and there's just not <laughs> enough for all of, you know, Western culture to be using them because of, yeah, just... <laughs> you know, how it goes with like the frogs, for example. Um, it's just, we're seeing a decline in, in, in those species. So it's, it's quite sad. Um, and I would say the third piece uh, for me would be accessibility, which I mean, all of these are kind of intertwined, but accessibility. So that, that's why I created the journals and because I truly believe that everyone can tune into their own healing. And of course, you know, if we have clinical um, conditions, then we need more support for sure, but they can be paired um, with, with those, with that support. And so I just see, you know, a lot of ketamine clinics coming in and retreat centers popping up. And, and I think that those are, you know, totally needed and totally great to meet people where they're at on their healing journey. But um, the there are other people that just that they're that's not within their means. And so how can we um, create, you know, sponsor, sponsored, um, like scholarships, sorry, um, to, to serve those people better or different peer to peer support programs that are, you know, more um, affordable, and other tools that can uh, that can support those people because yeah, it's just um, there there, are, there is a lot of money coming to the space, but I see a lot of it going towards 
uh, I mean, what makes more money, right? So not everyone yeah. can afford a $500 ketamine session. And then you have to do multiple of those usually. And same with, you know, a $5,000 retreat. That's just not within people's reach. And so the FDA or Health Canada um, approach is needed and, and great for, you know, breaking down these stigmas and everything. But um, what about how are we serving those who, you know, need it and also can't afford it? Yeah. Thanks for sharing all those. Those are super important. I'm curious, like, you know, with the organizations that you've worked for, maybe like thinking about wakeful travel and third wave, I don't know if you can speak to this, but like, just curious, like, what are some things that you've seen working really well or things that really inspire you um, solutions that you see happening that are addressing some of these things? Cause yeah, I'm just, when you say some of these things, I'm just starting to think about, okay, well, what are some of the ways that we can actually go about um, helping to make change in these areas? And yeah, I'm curious if, if anything comes to mind for you, whether, yeah, maybe with third wave or maybe with wakeful travel or even with wave, uh, sorry, I said wakeful travel with third wave or um, retreat guru, like any of the organizations that you work for, or even other organizations that you see, like in the space, um, other nonprofits or organizations, like, yeah, are there any like approaches or strategies that you've witnessed or seen that you're like, oh yeah, like that seems like a really um, cool way to go about it. Like you mentioned scholarships. I think yeah. it might be cool um, to even start there, like, and but maybe let people know what that even means, like in the context of psychedelic therapy, I think people listening might not necessarily know. So yeah, mm-hmm. curious if you could explain that what that would even look like. And then, yeah, if there are other, any, if there are any other ideas or strategies that you've seen or you can think of, would love to hear your thoughts on them. Yeah. So scholarships um, with that, I mean, in terms of maybe there's a microdosing um, program that you'd like to join and they can offer it at a discounted rate for those who may not be able to afford it. Um, right. I'm seeing more for BIPOC people in this space, which is awesome. Um, third wave, we uh, we donated to the Amazon conservation team. So they're doing a lot with the sustainability um, of plant medicines in the Amazon. And um, as well as, yeah, there, there are different programs that, you know, I guess you have to meet people where they're at. And so, um, if it is super clinical, then you'll want to see somebody with more experience. But if you're really wanting to get out of a funk or you feel like you're yeah. being stuck or you're, you're like, you just want to better your life and you don't really know how to do it or you're feeling called to find a community that like also is also working with psychedelics, in a sense, there are different programs online. Um, Third Wave has some double blind as microdosing um, mm-hmm. course and and community there, um, and so yeah, they're offering scholarships for those type of programs. And I think there's also retreat centers that do do that as well. Looking at um, websites uh, to see, yeah, is this offered? And if it isn't, like reach out because the more they hear it, you know, the more that they'll see a need for it and potentially build that into their curriculum or their um, their their offerings. Um, and then two, uh, I just finished, uh, Laura Dawn's psychedelic leadership program. And that was the, a three month program for women, uh, working specifically in the psychedelic space. And, um, she is actually launching an incredible project called grow medicine. 
which is a, it'll be an app where you can go on and see the different medicines that you'd like to donate to. And you can do that before ceremony or after a ceremony or just in general because you want to support. And so she has partnered with um, many different indigenous um, groups and um, nonprofits and all of that to bring such an important tool that's you know super easy to use. It's just an app on your phone to be able to continue supporting because if we're um, working with these medicines and not giving back, it's almost like a, it's almost like we're, um, yeah, kind of just doing, you know, the opposite. Like it doesn't feel authentic to be consuming and then not giving back to like the wisdom that just came through. And so, yeah, with, with each of the journals, um, uh, for the the six week intention journal, I donate five percent uh, to uh, grow medicine, and same with the uh, wakeful integration journal. I donate to maps. I donate to uh, Chakruna, um, as well as the Amazon conservation team. So all of those organizations are you know doing really great work in the space. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing all of those. I didn't actually know about. Um, Laura's project there, the Grow Project. So that's really exciting to hear about. I'm going to go check that out myself. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really beautiful note to end on. I want to be mindful of our time here. Um, really awesome to hear about the ways that you're personally giving back and it's generating some ideas for me as well. And I'm sure people listening just on the different organizations, people in the space that are really helping to drive change in some of those areas that you mentioned, like sustainability and accessibility. So yeah, I think that's a great point to end on. And um, just before we wrap up, I wanted to see if you had any last words, anything you wanted to share or anything that you wanted to plug, any of your own projects that maybe you didn't get to mention today or things that are coming up, exciting um, announcements that you might want to share. Um, just, yeah, let the listeners know anything that you want to leave them with. Sure, yeah. Um, so if you'd like to uh, order a journal, they're on pre-order right now. They'll be here in uh, end of July or early August. Um, so that's available on my website. Uh, it's just wakefultravel.com. Um, you can follow us on social media. Uh, it's just at wakeful travel. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well. So that's just uh, my name, Janelle Dion. And I'll make sure that Michael puts it in the show notes because it's hard to spell my name. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then they can also join the community if they want a a taster of a downloadable um, wakeful integration journal. There's a mini version on there. So uh, that's under the community tab on the website. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I look forward to hopefully doing this again next time. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sharing it with your friends. If you would like to stay tuned to future updates with The Flying Sage, make sure to head onto our website and sign up for our email newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram as well. We're looking forward to having you tune in to our next episode. And until then, wishing you blessings and love.